You remember that one guy? Isabel or whatever? The one with the big forehead veins who kept screaming about the righteousness of flogging? Is Arashad. We ate his spleen. Good times. Or was that the stoning guy? No, we tore off his arm. Either way, good times. Welcome back to the Green Light Pod. Green Light. Uh, yes, I pod. am Lauren. <laughs> are we are we specifically now shortening the name to Pod? Green, green Light Pod. <laughs> I'm Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Jacob. Great. All right. Well, and this week we are going to be reading a Bay of Legion by our good friend Blake Benson. Mm-hmm. Coming all the way from downstairs. Yes. That joke's going to come up later, just so mm, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you are new here, which you probably are, considering this is our second episode, episode two. basically what we're trying to do here is take unproduced plays and screenplays and read them in an audio format on an, this this podcast. A mm-hmm. uh, fresh new medium. Yeah. Just a way to, you know, get new works out there and uh, spread some art to all the world. Spread some art, like a pandemic, like a disease. Yeah. You know, That'll infect you, the world. You, you know, and also like stretch our creative muscles a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, uh, I think, well, I <laughs> and since you said stretching our creative muscles, now is time for our detour of the week. Yeah. So uh, this is a segment where we each discuss something that we consume, some form of media, whether it be a TV show, a movie, a book, a comic book, any form of book, <laughs> anything. Uh, Lauren, how about you start us off? Okay, well, I recently watched uh, 2020 WrestleMania, the very first WrestleMania on two nights, and also the very first WrestleMania with no audience because mm-hmm. of the Rona. Mm-hmm. So Miss Rona. Miss Rona, yeah. So it was it was really interesting. There were definitely some moments where you really miss the audience, which was kind of tough. You know, sometimes when the wrestlers are sort of, they've taken each other out and they're kind of taking a minute to recover, it was very quiet. Uh, but they did do a couple of really cool things with the fact that they didn't have an audience. There were a couple of matches with... Um, I guess sort of the more, I don't know, underworld-type characters. Uh, they have The Fiend, yeah. Bray Wyatt, and also The Undertaker uh, did a match at WrestleMania, which he often does. And they really put those into more of a short film format than a regular wrestling match format, uh, which I thought was really interesting because it definitely changes the dynamic of um, stage combat and the fight choreography when you are allowed to do multiple takes and maybe when you know where the camera is going to be. You might not have to take the hits as hard. They might not have to look quite as realistic if you're not in an arena surrounded by thousands of people. Um, so the one that I thought was really cool was a graveyard match with... or No, not not a not graveyard. Boneyard, boneyard. match. Yes. Boneyard. Boneyard. With uh, The Undertaker and AJ Styles. And, you know, they, they played The Undertaker's music. They brought AJ Styles in in a hearse. And then they played... Um, uh, Undertaker's character was the American badass, and he came in on a motorcycle as his former character, and it was just really cool. And it was also just really nice to see, you know, the Undertaker is of course one of the all-time greats, but obviously he's getting older. So I feel like, you know, even after WWE is able to start bringing audiences back into the arena, especially for some of these older wrestlers that people still want to see, it could be a great alternative that allows them to maybe not get as injured. 
when they're doing matches, but still have them be really compelling in a new and unique way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lauren and I are both have been big wrestling fans for, what, five or six years now, maybe? It's not, it was like f- summer after freshman year of college when we got into it, I think. So that's almost five years, right? No, that's like four Anyway, years? timeline doesn't matter. Like We've that. been wrestling fans for a little while, and yeah. um, it was really interesting to see no audience. And yeah. like Lauren was saying with with The Undertaker, I think it's been sort of a challenge for WWE to continue to build him up as this um, otherworldly character and persona when the man in real life is in his 50s, pushing his 60s, I think, something like yeah. that. So and it it's was just really like cool. even regardless of you know how in shape he is, it's just it's so hard to stay healthy when you're taking all these hits. You know they they released a documentary about him that aired after WrestleMania that was just talking about how for several years you know he's pretty much done a WrestleMania match, gotten some kind of surgery, recovered, trained again, and then repeated it. Did another match, got another surgery. You know it's it's a crazy difficult life. It's an awful life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's still one of the greats. Definitely. Thank you, Taker. Thank um, you, Taker. Da, 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 da. Jacob, oh, you're up yeah, next. Sure. Um, so uh, this past week, me and Bailey watched over Zoom. We watched... Uh, Who's Bailey? She's my girlfriend. There we go. Aww. <laughs> aww collective aww. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> um, we watched Funny Face, the Audrey Hepburn movie oh, uh, from yeah. the 1950s. It was a lot I've of fun. Uh, very cute, and I, I, it's just, it was a heartwarming, beautiful movie, um, you know, it has many flaws, you know, Fred Astaire and, uh, (laughs) Audrey Hepburn's age difference is pretty drastic, Mm. um, but it's just, it's just such a joyous, fun movie, it's the same director as Singing in the Rain, and Charade, and On the Town, so, you know, um, classic, classic 1950s, uh, Audrey Hepburn film. It was really good. Great production design. That's all I can say. It was an awesome little little thing to watch. That's yeah. great. I feel like movies like that, it's just like, just give you a big hug. It's like, yeah. come here. Come here, you. <laughs> Let me hug you. Um, I guess it's my turn then. So, I actually read. Ooh. I read. Whoa. Ooh. <laughs> I, do you not crazy. I do not have the attention Nerd. span. <laughs> well, this book actually is great if you don't have a good attention span in just the way it's written. But it's called The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Uh, Amanda Palmer's a musical artist. She's done um, some solo work and has also been a part of a duo called The Dresden Dolls. And she did a really cool concept album called Evelyn Evelyn. I'm also a nerd. I made him read this book. Yes, this this is um, <laughs> hat tip to Lauren for making me read this book. But it's it's an autobiography of sorts almost about her yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, like a um, memoir. Uh, from the perspective of an artist, from being an artist... And really talks about asking for help, I'd say, is as, as the title implies and is sort of the core message. And especially as artists, as creatives, it's, it's kind of hard to do that. As human beings, it's hard to ask yeah. for help from other people, <laughs> I feel like. And so to read this and to get her perspective on her journey, how she went from not wanting to ask anyone help for help from her time as a street performer, where it literally was reliant on other people just giving her money to where she is now, super successful, and still having to do that. And just the the joy that can come from that. And, and like I said, sort of bringing it back, the way it's written is it's so easy to read. It's very conversational. Um, she doesn't spend too long on one subject. 
so, you know, if you're not a reader, <laughs> Jacob, um, you, <laughs> you, you can still certainly find value and you can easily, you can easily read this one. It's a, it's a great read. Yeah. Um, and it's super valuable as an artist. As, as a, a human. human. As yeah. a human. I was okay. going to say that. Okay. Wow. We're in oh. sync. Oh, look at us. Uh, boo. But yeah, I mean, even, <laughs> you know, I'm a huge fan of her music and I know it is a little weird. Even if you're not a big fan of her music, I... This, you know, this book will resonate with you I agree. somehow. Yeah, I'm, I can I'm, pretty much guarantee it. Yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of her music. I, I once again, I, I I like some of her stuff, but um it's not 100% my jam, but this book is 1000% my jam. So yeah. it 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 catches up. <clears throat> and I think we have to have the discussion. Mm. We have to do it. Oh yeah. Of Tiger King. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tiger King what? Oh. What? <clears throat> Carol Baskin is a murderer. Carol Baskin <clears throat> is a murderer. Let's not go too far. I don't want to spoil it. I'm sure by the time this drops, everyone will have seen it. But just in case. But yes, Carol Baskin did kill her husband. Tiger yeah. King is one of the most ridiculous, compelling, horrible insane things, things horrible oh things gosh. I've ever watched. Ugh. But you can't stop. You can't stop. You can't. I, well, I don't I know. Your brother it. is somehow. Sure, I don't sure. get it. But you watched it in like a day, right? I watched the entire thing in a day. Yeah. Well, not whatever this new bonus episode is, but I heard it did not contribute much. I didn't love it, but you know, sure. it was interesting. Yeah. How how long did it take you to watch it, Jacob? Two days. Two days. Yeah, I think I watched <laughs> three episodes after midnight the first day it came out, or the second day it came out. No, I have watched after you, so it must have been a you day. You watched or two. it after me? Yeah. I thought, huh. No, wait. You watched, I watched it before it. me, Blake. Blake watched it first. He yeah. told me to watch it. And then I watched it, like, the next day. I started at, like, midnight, and I kept watching till like, 4 a.m., and yeah. then I did it the same yeah. thing the next day. It just puts its claws in you and won't let go. Yeah. Like claws, a tiger. Like a tiger. Mm. Um, it is... I think it not only is it... I think it would have been good just as, like, a spew of information just because of how compelling crazy. and crazy the story yeah. is. But I thought it, the way that it revealed information slowly... Um, was really interesting and really Definitely. well done just at, in the construction of it, in the structure. Yeah, well, I think that at certain times towards the beginning when you watch it, you think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe Carol isn't that bad. Maybe Doc Antle isn't that bad. And then they reveal things about them and you're like, oh, no, mm -hmm. they're all terrible. They're all bad. They're I, all so bad. <laughs> I do want to come back to that. But Doc Antle, all of us in this room are from North Carolina and yeah. have visited... Myrtle Beach. I, all of us have visited Myrtle Beach. Right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes. And I've been to, like, the mini version of his yes. thing. Yeah. It was it was wild to see that and, like, mm, have I contributed to this? And, you know, <laughs> obviously, the thing in Barefoot Landing is his, right? The little tiger yes. thing? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, not spending any money necessarily. But it, it's just so different. It totally changed my perspective on just... Anytime you go somewhere and see cats. a tiger in yeah. captivity, yeah. It's 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 totally different now and just the the underworld of that. Going back to what you were saying about how everyone is awful. That is true. And I was like Everyone's so bad. Everyone's so bad. They're the worst. And I was thinking like a lot of I I find this to be profound, but it's probably oh not. Gosh. Um okay. no, but I feel like a lot of a lot of stories whether it be narrative or documentary you typically need someone to latch onto like a person and when That's i first true. started like watching it like. i was like it might be joe exotic and it's not <laughs> he's he's bad as well then i was thinking about it you know who it is it's the tigers 
you gotta latch onto the tigers. Oh, I was gonna say it was oh. uh, the one person who lost their arm. True. <laughs> that was my favorite person. If there's one good human, it's them. <laughs> they yeah. were they were the the most blameless. Most yeah, blameless. and I think the most likable. It made me so sad that you know they lost their arm and then they immediately went back to work because they didn't want it to reflect badly on him. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that blew my mind. Yeah, I yeah. think. <laughs> I, I think it was in the first episode when uh, one of the employers was like, uh, yeah, I didn't have a job. I had no experience. I just applied and now I'm here. It's like, what? You, you went, but you're working with tigers. <laughs> you went from not having a job to immediately working with some of the most dangerous animals on the planet. What a journey. And that just sums it all up right yeah, there. Yeah, it really does. Sums it all up. Wow. Um, I have a, cons- a quick conspiracy theory, and then I think I'm done talking about Tiger King, though I could talk <laughs> about it for so long. Um, I think it's... Uh, this is kind of a spoiler. Okay, if you haven't seen Tiger King and don't want spoilers, Skip fast forward a like couple minutes? I don't a know. minute. Okay, now. Okay, so whenever there's the part where um, Joe Exotics, his um, all of his TV stuff was burned down, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they had the video footage of the person walking away... You know whose walk I am a hundred percent that was, Carol's current husband. If you look at the way he walks what? and the way that I other person for walked, I sure Joe burned it down himself. I mean, he might have probably, but just based on this one thing, it looked like him. I doubt it was. Do but I have to go back and watch this show again? Go, well, at least go back and check <laughs> that out. Once again, okay. I, I I only watched it once. I didn't go back to verify, but my gut reaction was. This man burned Joey Exotic's place <laughs> to the ground. And the alligators. Yeah. Oh, and poor alligators. Poor alligators. I also poor didn't alligators. know he had alligators until they that don't moment. Really, they don't really touch on the alligators until then. They, like, briefly mention it, but, like, yeah. they don't really touch on it too hard. But the whole thing's about tigers. Why aren't we talking about the alligators? Alligators don't get enough respect. They don't. I agree. Rip. Moment of silence for the alligators. Alrighty. Um, anyone else have any thoughts on Tiger King or any other detours? You know, I have... Oh, wait. Oh, we watched Onward. Oh, Onward was great. And I was... It was amazing. And I was okay until the very end when I wept. I'm not going to spoil it, but I wept. It yeah. is weep-worthy. I, I wasn't <laughs> sold on the movie for the first three quarters or so. I really? Didn't know. I, was like, I was like, oh, it's, it's okay. And then... That moment happened, and I looked to my left, and I saw all, th- <laughs> like, three out of four of my housemates sobbing. Guilty. 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 Like, okay, okay, okay. That's that sold it for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was it was super powerful. So good. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it for Detours. Yeah, and we are about to get right into Bay of Legion by Blake D. Benson. By Blake D. Benson. Blake, 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 Blake. I wouldn't kill you in a war I don't get what they do it for It's all so terribly fake I see the pictures from a thousand years of battle And I think it's such a bar We are reading Bay of Legion by Blake D. Benson uh, I'm Lauren and I'm playing number 302 I'm Jacob and I'm four I am Jackson, and I'm 66. Those are our ages. <laughs> Incorrect. Those are not Those our ages. Those are not our ages. <laughs> I'm a yes, I am this minute. You are an infant. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> um, alrighty. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. At sea, we hear the rush of waves and little else. 
Well, fuck. You can say that again. Who's left? It's not looking like many. 50, maybe? That's not great. Hey, can someone flip me over? I'm a... (coughs) (coughs) Gurgling and choking sounds arise from four, as well as pig oinks and squeals. Should we do something? Oh, yeah. Let me doggy paddle my tiny hooves over there and give him a gentle spin. Anything you want while I'm at it? Some five-star slop for the lady? You didn't have to be a dick about it. We're demons. I literally have to be. Four sputters and coughs up water. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ! Do not bring him up. It's just an expression. Hey, we'd be sitting pretty in some peasant boy, losing our shit in the cave right now, in the lap of luxury, if not for the owner of that particular name. So excuse me if I don't want to shitting hear it for a little while. I almost drowned. I think that was the point. Most of us have. I mean, you two were going to let me drown. Oh, yeah. Let me doggy paddle my tiny hooves over there. I feel there. like what 66 is getting at is that we wouldn't have been much help. Still, with demons one through three gone, yes, definitely dead. I'm in charge. All right, Commander in Charge 4, sir. In all your infinite leadership wisdom, what should we do? We hear the sound of waves. And little else. Give me a minute. Ah, great. Wonderful job, Captain. I'm thinking, give me a minute. We've been floating for an hour. Has that not been enough for... He was actually pretty nice. The fuck did you just say? Are you talking about the man that just exercised us? I mean... Which one are you, again? Number 302, sir. Don't sir me. 66 was just being a dick. Again? I literally can't help it. Do you do not have this problem? I was just saying he was gentler than the others. That's fair, I suppose. Oh, for sure. You remember that one guy? Isabel or whatever? The one with the big forehead veins who kept screaming about the righteousness of flogging? Azarashad. We ate his spleen. Good times. Or was that the stoning guy? No, we tore off his arm. Either way, good times. This guy didn't attack us at all. He did drive us into pigs. To his credit, we did ask for it. Which was a stellar move, genius. Hey, that was number one's call. What was his plan, anyway? I don't know. That we could swim to another shore, live to possess another day? Well, I could tell those pig bodies weren't natural-born swimmers before we got inside. Good floaters, though. We've been coasting for, like, an hour. A lot of good that does us. At least one's dead. Serves him right. Fucking idiot. Waves and little else. Boss is going to be mad when we get back. No shit. What punishment do you think we'll get for this? Pit of flames is my bet. And we're a legion of demons who couldn't manage to hold on to one guy. Eternal maiming, at least. How bad is eternal maiming? Worse than the pit of flames. Better than eternal reverse maiming. Oh. Then I'm not looking forward to that. And no one ever is, kid. You think that Jesus guy would send us to a flame pit? If he were our boss, I mean. Hard to say. Don't really know the guy. No. I don't think so. Huh. Guess that'd be nice. The demons float away in silence. We hear gentle waves crash upon a shore, and little else. In my mind, in a future five years from now, I'm a hundred and twenty pounds And I never get hung over Because I will be the picture of discipline We are here with our good friend, Blake D. Benson, who came such a long way all the way from downstairs to come talk to us about his fantastic play that we just read. 
How was that? How was that journey, Blake? Journey you know, it, it was a long one, a treacherous one, but I'm glad yeah. I made it. Was we're, it an incredible we're happy journey? to have you. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Homeward Bound, Blake's incredible journey up the stairs. <laughs> I've never seen Homeward Bound, but we don't need to get into have that. Have you really not? No, yeah, that's like that either. We'll talk about First that later. First of all, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's start off with a with a softball question, Blake. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Blake. Like was said, uh, I am a writer. That's why I'm here. Uh, Currently, as an occupation, I'm a page over at Paramount Studios, uh, getting my foot in that door. This man gives a mean tour, a mean studio <laughs> tour, folks. If you get the chance to go to Paramount, request Blake D. Benson. It's yes. the best job I've ever had. I get to ramble for two hours, and that's the whole job. <laughs> <laughs> and drive a long golf cart, a very mm -hmm. challenging task. Yeah, True. thread the needles between two posts. Yeah, yeah. a lot of training goes into that. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun time. Uh, so, do you have any weird writer quirks? Weird writer quirks? Like, things that have to be a certain way, you know, the the mood, the atmosphere, the food. Not particularly, I don't think. I mean, I definitely have things that I very much prefer. I do all my planning uh, by hand. I write it all uh, by hand, and then all actual final draft stuff uh, that goes in final draft. Uh, where it's, yeah, it types. Uh, so that's, but that doesn't feel like that's too odd. Uh, no, not particularly. I would say I do a lot of writing from bed, uh, which I would say a lot of people find that to be very, you know, counterproductive and keep you from being productive because you're going to fall asleep. Uh, but for me, I tend to do my best writing either really early in the morning or really late at night. Hmm. Uh, and so I find it's, I'm already there and it's much harder to get myself out of bed, get out of the mindset and go to a nice structured place to write as opposed to uh, you know just sitting in the couch uh, sitting on bed on the bed <laughs> it's much better do you yeah. have a, a preference for writing screenplays or plays we did notice this one was a play yeah i do have a preference towards screenplays more often than not mm. uh, but that's mainly just because in, in my experience uh screenplays a little bit more of a visual medium. Not that mm. film itself is more visual, which it is, but screenplays themselves, the way they're structured, the way they break down uh, beat to beat, uh, I find it's a lot more visual and I find more compelling to write and compose uh, as opposed to plays, which are very dialogue heavy. Uh, and uh, I enjoy those too, but it's uh, definitely not my strong suit. Yeah, so piggyback. Piggyback your bottle. Piggyback. Can I not? <laughs> uh, so piggybacking off of that question, um, so from my experience and what you, from you, what you just said, um, I'll, often I write from a you know specific visual image, some sort of idea for how the set will look, how I ideally this would look, how ideally this would work on stage. Um, with this one, I felt it was so broad that I couldn't pinpoint one that would maybe that'd be preferable for me, but I could see this being done in tons of different ways. Did you have a specific idea for where the actors would be, how the scene would be set? I do, and I'm cheating a little bit here. Uh, uh -oh. This uh, piece that was written, it was written after I knew my friends here were starting this podcast. Whoa. Uh, and you definitely so... didn't ask him to do that. <laughs> uh, and so well, uh, while I was writing it, something I'd wanted to write for quite a time, I knew that it was going to be 
primarily presented in the audio medium. Uh, and so if you're asking, you know, what it was written with, you know, what in mind, it was audio. It was being performed audibly uh, as opposed to visibly. And so when it comes to the visual elements, not a lot of thought's been put into that and in the script as it currently stands. Uh, but definitely kind of a minimalist structure, uh, that more abstract form of playmaking. That's so interesting because it seems like I, I would feel very lost in the water for locating where my characters are in a space. And I think that, how, how did you kind of figure out your auditorial image or auditory image? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how you'd perceive to write that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, for me, uh, and this kind of comes down to how I mainly write plays, it's all about those uh, interpersonal relationships between each individual, you know, mm. how the dynamics work between them. And so it's less about their physical location in this respect and more so who's interacting with who, um, mm. particularly mm. in the case of this play. Uh, number 66 and number 4 have a lot more interaction. Uh, they are definitely kind of more on par, while number 302 is a bit more distant. Uh, yeah. And so, and, and that's just by the nature of their characters. And so I find staging would probably reflect that. Yeah, no, I thought it was really cool just because I feel like especially with plays, a lot of the exposition has to come through dialogue, which can sometimes seem like you're like beating the audience over the head with it sometimes if it's not done well. But the thing I thought was done well in this one is that it came a lot through the character relationships and also through humor. And I feel like, for me, if like there's some exposition, but it's funny, I'm like, I'll let it slide. I don't care, you know? <laughs> so I thought it was you did a great job of that. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I felt like it was, you know, I know that you said it was mainly written for an, an audio format, but um, I was, you know, talking to these guys earlier about how I like how it's really versatile because a lot of times these really short plays are produced in low to no budget settings, like a, a really short, you know, community theater or something festival where they kind of just get three actors off the street and they're just going to do it. So the fact that you, the fact that you could just use any three people with not necessarily needing any costume, any set, anything like that, um, is I think really special. And I think you did a great job of sort of painting the picture for us, um, with that. So I wanted to ask you, um, I know a few of us come from a religious background and this is not necessarily one of the more well-known Jesus miracle stories. So I was wondering what inspired you to choose this one. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, much like y'all, I am also from a very religious background. Uh, and I've read the Bible once or twice and the stories I always found so interesting. Uh, church I came from, a lot of the sermons were very much based in the subtextual understandings of these stories, mm -hmm. uh, viewing it from different perspectives, uh, looking at it through a different lens. And so I've always had that kind of uh, predilection when it came to these stories, uh, and particularly when it came to this story. Uh, I forget when I came upon it, you know, when this idea came up, uh, but I just thought it was very funny to think about the idea that I know that pigs are actually very good swimmers. Uh, that's something pigs are very good at. <laughs> are they really? They are. So it's the demons that are bad swimmers. It's the demons that are bad swimmers. Um, but uh, the idea that uh, even if, you know, pigs, these pigs weren't necessarily great swimmers, they would certainly be buoyant. And so the yeah. fact that the idea that, you know, just that last sentence of the verse talking about they were sent into the sea and drowned, that right. would take so long. And so the thing that just <laughs> struck me as very funny is like, what are these demons doing for the literal hour it will take them to die? 
Uh, and so that's where this idea came from. Huh. That's so that's great. That's so funny. That's really funny. And hey, you learn something new. Every Pigs day. can swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Michael Phelps of animals. Pigs. <laughs> um, so I, I'd like to circle back a little bit, sort of talking about um, your how you write and sort of your involvement. Um, I know in like working with you in the past that you sort of like to... You know, you do your thing, and then you sort of hand it off. You're like, I'm going to wash my hands of this. Done. Um, sort of what's your reasoning for that? I'd love to hear um, just your opinion, and do you think that's sort of how all writers should be? Feel free to... Um, to um, Poop on you know. anyone you want. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Poop on anyone. All right, will do. Uh, <laughs> I, In my experience... I honestly just don't have the confidence to say, oh, these are my words, they are perfect, use them exactly as I intended. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I find myself really drawn to these mediums, you know, film and television more so than playwriting, where the playwright is king. Uh, mm. In these other mediums, there's a lot more flexibility, uh, truly because, yeah, I don't think I have the hubris to say, no, I am right. <laughs> uh, mm. And so I definitely find myself drawn more towards collaborative mediums where the best ideas can rise to the top. And so if things need to be changed, need to be altered, I'm absolutely okay with that. And for my contribution, particularly as a writer, once I've written the script, that's my contribution. I don't need to be there for the rest of the discussions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that might change later in my career when I'm a little bit more confident, a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more experienced. But uh, for the time being, I'm more than happy to write scripts, send them on their way, and let people do what they're going to do. Nice. So, sure. yeah, I don't want to say that everyone should do that, uh, but I've definitely been <laughs> you in can rooms. if you want to, though. I've definitely been in rooms <laughs> with people who should have done that. Ooh, there we go. Ooh, Juicy. The, <laughs> the headline grab. You um. know, it was a, it was before I got there, but at my high school, they at one point tried to do a production of Barefoot in the Park. And my theater teacher uh, contacted um, Neil Simon's, like, agent or estate, or not his estate. He wasn't... Is he dead now? I think he's dead now. I don't know. I don't know. Lauren's <laughs> looking at me and I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, he was definitely alive at this point, but um, she contacted his staff or whatever to ask if they could take out some of the cursing because it was a high school production. And um, they said no. And also your production can no longer happen because we know that you want to change things. So, oh. yeah. Well... So yeah. Anyway, a story um, so yeah, now you're not like Neil <laughs> yeah. Simon in that instance. Yeah, it's you, a little Blake. aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. I guess um, I have another question. I have many questions for you, Blake, because I'm so interested in hearing you speak. And we don't uh, talk really ever. Yeah, no, yeah, I, no. <laughs> I don't enjoy that. So um, we actually together took an adaptation class, and that's that's what my next question is about. We did. Um, <laughs> it was a lovely time. <laughs> did you do you enjoy more? writing adaptations, like taking something that's already a story and making it your own, changing it, or do you like to have a clean slate? I personally love adaptation. Mm, uh, that's good for the way <laughs> things are in this world right now. Absolutely. No, I love adaptation. I like having a starting block. I like having something I can take and begin with and draw from. Because mm. uh, like I said, you know, my lens you know, from when I started writing has really focused on finding different ways of looking at things and looking through different lenses, different perspectives. And adaptation is exactly that. It's mm -hmm. taking what already exists and finding new ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, original story is a little bit more challenging, particularly for someone who is 22 and doesn't have that much of a life behind them. Uh, <laughs> 
it's a lot easier to take these stories that have been accepted, understood as, uh, you know, very culturally resonant and finding a new way to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Cool. And obviously you already, you know, just from like a business perspective, you have a built-in audience for a lot of these things, whether it's people who just know the story like uh, yeah. Lauren and I do for this one in particular, or if it's these huge properties that they're rebooting nowadays, you know, you have that audience. So right. there's already that connection that they have, which is really nice. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask, what is your favorite moment in the script? Like, what did you come up with that you were just like, ooh, this is it. This is it. That is a very good question. Uh, I I would say my favorite moment in this script uh, is when 302 speaks up for the first time. Not when Mm -hmm. he speaks for the first time, but when he speaks up, particularly when he says, and I'm botching the quote here, uh, the, I think he was pretty nice. Um, and he just says that. doesn't even say the guy's name, obviously referring to Jesus. Right, yeah. Um, but it's a bit of a turning point in this script. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And, and, that's, and that's a lot of what this script kind of hinges on is this idea of, and like I said, my big question going into this is, what would these demons spend so much time thinking about <laughs> as they're going to die in an hour and a half? Uh, but I that moment in particular is the transition into... What I definitely think those demons, I mean, like, obviously this is a narrative perspective those demons would think about, which is, you know, he was pretty nice in comparison to a lot of our experiences. (laughs) I mean, the script itself delves into how their bosses probably treat them and how the other people of the town also treated them. And just this one guy who didn't. And it's not that they're having these massive changes of heart, but it's enough for them to be like, huh, weird. Yeah, Yeah. I, I love the ending. When I was taking notes, I wrote down... That ending, chef's kiss. And it was, I I just think, yes, I just, I love that, like, small moment that is somehow so profound of being like, huh, he was kind of a nice guy, wasn't he? And just just that small thought that, like, somehow means so much. I don't know. I thought it was... Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I guess we only have one final question. Do you write every day? I do not. Oh, uh, for, for the record, I do not. Get out of the closet, Guess we're please. not, <laughs> not see this writer. episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke, but it's fine. Do we have anything else for our, our lovely guest? Blake? I don't think so. Okay. Well, Blake, thank you for coming on. Any final thoughts from you? No, just thank you for having me. It was a wonderful time. Great questions. Great time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Absolutely. if you are interested in producing this fabulous play or seeing any other of Blake D. Benson's work... So, uh, we will put his email in the description. Mm. So feel free to hit him up. Yeah. I think he is also on Tinder, so check him out. <laughs> <laughs> also feel free to hit we him up cut that. if you're in the Los Angeles area. <laughs> I want to keep it. <laughs> we'll keep it. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. don't fit together so So all the breaking and all the brain. I'm still not getting what I want. I wanna touch the back of your right arm. I wish you could remind me who I was. Because every time a little further But you are my lovely astronaut flying in the face of science. Hey everybody, one more thing before we go. We just like to thank our guest one last time and also a huge thank you to amanda palmer 
she has all the music in these first couple of episodes because she makes her music free for anyone to use and what they want, which is such a beautiful thing for an artist to do, to gift her art to everyone so that they can then use it themselves. So thank you so much to Amanda Palmer for that. However, if you would like to hear your music on this podcast in the same way that you heard Amanda Palmer's, or if you have a script, a play, a movie, whatever, um... Please submit it to tglsubmit at gmail.com. That is tglsubmit at gmail.com. Right now, we're looking for scripts between anywhere between like 5 and 15 pages, roughly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have something else, send it over and we can see what we, we can do with it. Yeah, hopefully eventually we'll get to do some bonus episodes that are maybe a little bit longer scripts. But for right yeah. now, we're looking for pretty short scripts mm-hmm. since we talk a lot. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, and also, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, we do have a Twitter and Instagram for the pod. It is at TGL underscore pod, P-O-D, mm-hmm. on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. So that's TGL underscore pod. Facebook page pending. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And then if you want to follow me, I am at Hunkleberry on both Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, H-U-N-K-E-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y on both sites. Uh, Jackson, where can they follow you? I am J underscore Woodward. That is W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D underscore C. (laughs) One more time. (laughs) That's J underscore Woodward underscore C on those socials as well. It's a family name. Yeah, it is. I am proud of it. I wear that name on my chest. If you don't feel like spelling either of those, you can also just look in the description. We'll put it there too. Correct. Yes. Alrighty. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. We will see you next week on The Green Light.